Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. You've probably all seen this, the three things that God cannot do. God cannot lie, God cannot change, and then God cannot let sinners into heaven. You've never seen that at the fair or, you know, people do that gospel presentation and they, you know, they, they go through that. And that's true. But where they get that, that can all be summed up if we look at verse number 23. The Bible says, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God. You know why God can't lie? Because he's uncorruptible. You know why he can't change? Because in them, there is no Corruption, un, not, not corrupt, not corrupt at all. If you and I had the ability to scroll through eternity past and scroll through eternity future, we wouldn't find one speck of corruption in our holy God. That's the standard. It's hard for you and I to understand that because we know what we've been saved from. And we know even as Christians, we struggle day in and day out. Because we battle this flesh. But our almighty God alone is the self-existent, uncorruptible God. Which brings us now to the highest insult. The highest insult. Verses number 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God makes known exactly who he is. It's not a secret. It's clearly seen. And then verse 21 and 22, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Man absolutely, unequivocally, mark it down every single time, rejects Christ. He rejects God. The fault is not with God. The fault is with man. There's no corruption in God. The corruption can only be found in man. But with the rejection of God, by default, becomes the necessity. And what's the necessity? Man has to fill that void. Man was created by God to worship. He has to. By default, it just happens. And that's why man is the great glory changer. And that's exactly what he does. And verse number 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God unto an image made like the corruptible man and the beast and the birds and four-footed beasts and the creeping things. Man's conscience won't allow him to be able to get away with not knowing God because he's made it known. And so because of that, man has to change the glory of God and he has to have something to fill that void. So he doesn't have to deal with his conscience telling him, it's known, it's clearly seen. He's got to fill it. And he does. How's he do it? He changes the glory of God. 
And Romans 1, I know it's rough stuff. Man is not good. There's nothing good in man at all. We've all gone aside. Changes the glory. Now, turn with me, if you will, to Psalms 106, because we're going to start making some practical application, which is typically when the Jimmy gets himself into trouble. But I believe that if we stay in the Bible, hopefully the trouble will be with us and, and God's word. and We can rectify it through truth. As we all reflect on our own lives, we're, we'll, 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 it's easy to point the finger. We'll do some finger pointing and then we'll be do, and then we'll change the finger and we'll point it to ourselves. How's that sound? Romans, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Psalms 106. Look at verse number 19. Uh, verse number 18, the fire was kindled and their company the flame burned up the wicked. Uh, verse 19, they made a calf in Horeb and worshiped the molten image. You know what Israel did to change the true glory? They had the true glory, the living God they could have worshiped. But you know what is that, that nation did? Man's the great glory changer. He just changed the glory. And now you're worshiping. Well, we see what they're worshiping. A molten image. Verse 20. Thus they change their glory into the similitude of an ox. You're going to worship an ox? Really? I, the Lord, that created all these things, all, everything the Lord did, and you're going to worship an ox. But not only that, he's going to worship an ox that eateth grass. You say, well, why are you pointing that out? If you think about that for a second, say, well, he just worshiped an ox. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough because there's truth that's pointed out here. The whole idea of eating grass shows the foolishness of what man is worshiping because that grass has to sustain that ox. And God's saying, I'm the self-existent one. I'm the one that has no corruption. I'm the one you should be worshiping. You can't get rid of God. You stop feeding that ox, it's going to die. And you're going to worship something that eateth grass? And not only does it eat grass, you've got to grow the grass. You've got to maintain the grass. You've got to give that false idol sustenance so that you can worship it. You don't have to do that with me, God says. And man is so foolish. He'll do anything to change the glory of God. God puts it smack right dab in front of him, and we still don't get it. Man don't get it. Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number 40. Flipping forward, you'll come to the book of Isaiah. We'll come to the 40th chapter. Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. Let's start reading verse number 18. To whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Two good questions. Verse number 19. The workman melteth a graven image. And the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold. And casteth silver chains 
When it says graven image, everybody see that? It says the workman melteth a graven image. That typically means, typically means it's carved. In other words, it's graven from wood. That's a graven image. And then it says, spread it, spreadeth it over with gold. That means you take something, you grave something to worship, and then you've got melted gold and you and you cast it, you spreadeth it over with gold. That you know you can't afford a a full die casted full gold idol, so you carve it out of wood and then you plate it with gold, and then you sell them on Amazon for six ninety five. That, that, that's that's the idea there. And man will do anything to fill the void because he has to worship. So he changed the glory of God. And you say, that's ridiculous. Well, they're doing it. And then it says, look what else it says. Uh, verse number 20. Well, uh, verse number 19, casteth silver chains. Who do you think the silver chains were for? The idol. It's not good enough for it to be carved and get gold over. They're going to decorate that thing. They're going to put. They're going to put a, a gold, or they're going to put. Uh, they're going to put silver chains on it. And it's just going to be an ornament that they're going to use to decorate that false idol. Now you've seen. The, I, I use this picture, and I, I got. I got to think through of kind of qualifying some things a little better on, on Facebook when we do stuff on there. But some people got the wrong idea. But the image we use was a four-footed beast, an elephant. It's the Hindu god. And they've got all types of jewelry and decoration they put on that, that Hindu god. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But man, God puts it all right in front of man, and man says, I'd rather just make something and worship that. And I'll make it look really nice, and really pretty, and... and then it says in verse number 20, look at the beginning of the verse. He that is so impoverished, kind of like you're so poor. And that's the idea of so impoverished, he's so poor that he hath no oblation. That's no sacrifice. That man has no oblation. He has no gift to offer. He has no sacrifice to offer. He's, he's poor, and so it says, hath no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning, work, a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. So you know what they did? They couldn't afford the idol. They couldn't afford something carved out of wood, and you put gold on it, and you put silver on it. So you know what they do? They were so impoverished. They went out with an axe, cut down a tree. You know what type of tree it was? One that wouldn't rot. This is what gets Brother Jimmy in trouble with the brethren. I'm not trying to get in trouble with anybody. All I'm saying is it's rather ironic that we go out, we cut down a tree that won't rot. That's called an evergreen tree. We put it, and then what do we put? Gold balls. What do we put? Silver tinsel or whatever it's going to be. Say, well, that's not an idol. Only the Hindus have the idols. I don't know what your motive is. I don't want to know what your motive is. All I want to know is, where did we get all this? Where did we get it all? 
We're so good at kicking Roman Catholic idolatry and dolly statues and beads. We're so good at kicking the Hindus and all their statues layered in gold and silver. Where do we get some of the traditions that we do? And why do we do them? Man will do anything to worship God. I'm telling you, we went down that Livingston Square and praise God. Somebody prayed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I didn't think it was going to happen. And when it did, I was like, amen, praise God. I'm sure Brother Mark thought the same thing. You know what that was? A tree lighting service. And you know how many people were out? Hundreds of people were out. That whole square was packed. And after the prayer, you know what you hear? Just a, a whisper of people talking, just knowing about it. The moment they light that tree up, yeah, the applause goes. Now you tell me, am I the only one that thinks that's misplaced? Somebody prayed to God, and you lit a tree, and the whole town went in an uproar. Where? That's my question. Where is our worship? My question is, what do we get most excited about? And you know who has to go? The preacher's got to go that has to say, why aren't we excited about Jesus Christ? And just go right on down to all these entertainment centers that are filled with people that love tradition. Now, I'm not telling you you got to agree with me. That's not my intent. You, you can disagree. You can say, Brother Jimmy, you're just way off on that. Okay, fine. Okay. All right, I'm off. But the bigger question is this. What idols do you have in your life? What are you more excited about than Jesus Christ? What really gets you going other than Jesus Christ? The smell of an evergreen tree? Or the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary as he died on a tree? What gets you excited in the morning? Waking up and gathering around a tree where there's a bunch of fruit? Oh, that's my toy. That's my gift. I want that. No, you can't play with that. What did I get? Jesus Christ, blood out on a tree and you're worshiping gifts? I just got to get all this out of my system before it gets to it. Do you know how much money is made between now and December 25th? Well, that's not why we do it. Your credit card statement doesn't prove that to me. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. Romans 1, and man, the great glory changer, there's nothing good that comes out of man. So whether you agree, whether you disagree, whether you think I've just kind of completely lost it, all I'm saying is man changes the glory of God. Let's just agree to that. American Christianity. We find a way to afford things that have value to us. You go south of town and you you see these people, they walk because they're homeless, but they seem to be able to have a cell phone. How come man can find out how to get things that are important to him 
but he can't figure out how to get to God and give God glory because he doesn't want to see. He doesn't want to. That's why we have to go out and point these things out to them. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look what the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now go back to Romans 1. We'll get out of that so that Sing happy birthday to Jesus on December 25th, but Jesus doesn't get anything. Really? I just, I just want God to be glorified in everything. Now, well, it's the season of giving. Well, that's funny. When I stopped doing the holidays, nobody gave me anything. <laughs> Because it's not the season of giving. It's the season of you give me something, I'll give you something. <laughs> Does that make any sense to anybody? How come you didn't get me a present? Well I, well, I thought it's the spirit of giving. Where's my present? Now, I'm not going to do that. And I don't suggest you do that. I'm being sarcastic to prove the point that we just need to be careful where that we're not misplacing who and what we're worshiping. Uh, Romans chapter one and, and in verse number twenty, uh, three and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Notice very obviously the downward spiral. An image made like the corruptible man. They roll the red carpet out for Santa Claus, who's not real. And parents will take their children out in 35 degrees. It was 35 degrees. Mark and I and the kids are standing out there. We made sure my wife makes sure the kids had gloves and hats because that's important. And they, did, and they did. They kept them warm. But they'll stand out there in 35 degrees for an hour and a half to wait in line to get their picture taken with the Grinch. And then to sit on Santa Claus's lap. People, it's 35 degrees. Your children are bundled up. And you've got the whole family out there for an hour and a half in that type of weather. Yet you can't give God 45 minutes to some man telling you what the Bible says in a Bible believing church that you could find across this United States. If you just looked, you could find 45 minutes where you can go and be warm without hot cocoa by the word of God. I'm just not buying it that parent. Well, it's just the church is a stop. You will find a way to worship what you want to worship. And it doesn't matter if it's 35 degrees. It'd be completely different if this church house and Bible believing churches and there was a line like when, when Spurgeon there was a line for people to go see Spurgeon. You know what would happen if there was a line of people who want to come in here? I mean, it would never happen. But if there was and it was 35 degrees, you know what the news would cover? Church cult. Has parents bundle their children up in 35 degrees weather? We need to send somebody down. They would completely spin it. 
because they just hate God and they hate Christians and they hate you and they hate God's word. The story gets spin based on who they're trying to portray as the hero. Amen. Who's the hero in your life? I hope it's Jesus. I hope it's Jesus. Football. So let me get this straight. You're going to miss church on a Sunday because a stadium can pack 50,000 people and you're going to watch men run around in tights rather than come and worship God. And you know what the world says? Yep, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And then at halftime, they're going to listen to ungodly, corruptible men sing ungodly music and do ungodly dancing. And they'll have Snoop Droopy drawers up there, some devil, you know, in Mars bars or, or you know, Snickers bars or Butterfingers or Eminem, whatever they want to, you know, whatever candy bar he wants to be. And they're going to sing to the devil. And Christian folk, so-called Christian folk, They'll miss church and they'll sit out in 25 degree weather and watch and listen to that stuff. Who are you worshiping? Are you saying there's something wrong with football on Sunday? Yes. When it keeps you out of church? Yes. When you worship those men? Yes. When you know all their statistics, you know, their number, you know, when they got drafted, you know, what type of uh, contract they have. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Give glory to God. Memorize some scripture. Witness to the lost. Get in church. Give up the stadium on the Sunday. You want to tailgate for an hour, get drunk, and then you complain that Christian ministers are out trying to, they're they're yelling at us that Jesus is coming. You painted your face three different colors and you're yelling and screaming for some team that's running around in tights and I'm the fanatic. Who? Who do you worship? Man changes the glory of God every single time and every single situation. And then the birds, except now the birds, it's a big machine that has wings that flies up. And now we're going to have life on Mars because that's what some billionaire said that we're going to do. Anything, anything to get your sights off of God. We're told to witness down here. Want to, you want to fund the SpaceX program, help yourself. But if I ever get to meet Elon Musk, I would hope that you would tell him the same thing I would tell him. Please, before you leave this earth, please consider your condition before God. Whether you reach your goal or not before you die, it's not going to help you a hill of beans. You don't realize that you're a sinner. You're not as good as you think you are. You're not helping humanity as much as you think you are. You need to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the Bible says, verse 23, which one to get to? Four-footed beast. The Hindus worship an elephant-headed idol in Hinduism. That elephant-headed idol is called Ganesh or Ganesh, depending on how you pronounce it. And it's the god of prosperity and well-being and success it's the god of good fortune and prosperity and we would say as christians well yeah that's an idol that's a clear idol we would never worship hindu gods except many so-called christians do worship that god 
It's just not doused in gold. It's not doused in silver ornaments. And it's not a four-footed beast of an elephant holding his hand up. It's Joel Osteen. It's the prosperity gospel. They want prosperity. They want success. They want good fortune. Let's go see Kenneth Copeland. Let's go see all these fakers. There's so many, we could just start naming them. We can just start calling them out. The prosperity gospel is an idol. It's not Bible. We would never worship a four-footed beast. Well, you do, the Hindus do, one, with, uh, with the elephants and all that kind of stuff. But Christians, all we do is, well, not we and not real Christians, but these, these they might be saved. They just got deceived into thinking. All I have to do is turn on TBN. Listen to this man and send in my seed, send in my money. And God's going to bless me. Except you're wrong. The sad part is those ministers of Satan are taking advantage of people that don't know their Bible well enough to say no. People say, well, Jimmy, why do you have to bash other ministries? Because somebody has to. Because somebody has to. That's why. And there's plenty of good Bible-believing ministries we, we praise the Lord for. But these, these so-called ministers that are leading people astray and are not doing the Lord's work, they need to be warned against. They need to be talked about. It is not helping the body of Christ. Listen to good Bible preaching. But beware of the false teachers. This is why we put an emphasis on the word of God. And I'd rather preach from the word of God and have you say, well, Brother Jimmy, I don't know if I see that like you see it. I don't know about that. At least we're in the Bible. At least we're in the Bible. And you can say, really? And I can say, well, let's read it again. What else could it mean? (laughs) At least it's that. When we move away from the Bible and it's all heartwarming stories, anything goes. And this is where people have been deceived. And as that that happens, as they get deeper in that, glory of God's just been changed. Man is the great glory changer. But we don't want... We don't want that. Four-footed beasts, the elephant idol. Ganesh is considered the primary manifestation of divine energy, which is why the Hindus, some of you are laughing because it is funny. This is why the Hindus practice yoga. You cannot remove yoga from Hinduism and Hinduism cannot remove yoga. From its religion. It's all interconnected. It says that right in their sacred books. And so this manifestation. When they start off. And they do this yoga. They're worshipping. The Hindu gods. Specifically Ganesh. And the manifestation. Of that divine energy. As they go through. And do all of these traditional poses. Which starts out. Worshipping the sun. They call them sun salutations. Well, I would never do Hinduism. 
Oh, really? Then how come millions of Christians across this nation are involved in yoga? Why? I wouldn't worship a four-footed beast. You do in yoga. Because that's where you get divine manifestation of energy. Well, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Now you do. Man wants to change the glory of God. And instead of meditating on God's word, instead of praying, I mean, we have prayer benches. Anybody can come into the church house at any time and pray. But the carpet over here is worn out. We got to get this replaced. Amen. I know it doesn't make you can pray anywhere you want, but this carpet's not worn out here. I'm just as guilty of it as you are. It's not worn out here. Well, let's check this one because everybody must be praying here. Well, that's not worn out either. Oh, it would be to God if there'd be an old, an old saint of God, an old that's just in in their prayer closet at home. They got a place where where, where the wood's worn out, where you can just know. Oh man, that's where Grandma prayed. How do you know? You see, you see where the you see where the carpet's worn out. You see where the wood's worn out. Oh, that's where Grandma prayed. That's where Pa prayed. We'll sign up for yoga class. We'll just meditate on some. Devil God. We'll do that for an hour on a yoga mat. And the whole mat will be warmed out. Why? Because you got millions of Christians practicing yoga when they could be praying. That's why. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Romans 1 is showing man for who he is. And I am not trying to be mean. I am not trying to be offensive. There is nothing good in man. Nothing. We will find a way to worship something and it won't be God. And we've got to get back to God and know who he is. We make light of idolatry. We make light of it. Our nation needs to reflect on God. We don't know how glorious God is. Because our idolatry has become so filthy. And we're covered in the dirt and the filth of idolatry. And until it gets swept away, we'll never see the glory of God. We'll always be distracted with the glory of man. Without the regenerating power of Jesus Christ, man is absolutely not. That's why we must be born again. Go over to Genesis 1. A few more thoughts and then we'll close. But and God said, verse 26, you all know this, Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God wanted man to have dominion. <laughs> he gave us dominion. He didn't say to worship those things. How silly, silly man is. We have dominion over it. If man wanted to make a golden calf to worship, 
You know what he's going to need? Some gold. If man wants to make a statue to worship, you know what man's going to need? He's going to need some marble or clay. He's going to need something to work with. Man can take marble. He can take clay. He can take gold. And man can, can far exceed that slab of gold. He can, man can far exceed that, that slab of marble. Man can do that. But man cannot make marble or gold exceed itself. Can't. But God can. So he's going to worship. Man, you know what he is of? The dust of the earth. Do you know what man can do? He can take some dust and, 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 and earth, the clay, especially Tennessee clay. You can take that thing and make it into, you can take that clay and you can far exceed what that clay looks like laying on the, on the ground. But man can't exceed what that clay is. But God can and he took man out of the dust of the earth, and he made us in his own image. He's the self-existent one. Man can only go so far. And because God has given the ability to have dominion, because he's given the ability to be able to think and know things, he's changed the glory of God. Take the kids to the beach, of course, you need to be careful nowadays when, when you take them and where you take them because it's like an R-rated movie all over. Kids would sit down in the sand and they take that sand and, you know, they make it into a sand castle. Looks great, you know, they took the sand and they made it into something. Except God took from the dust of the earth and made man out. That's the majesty of our glorious Savior. Our body, the matter of our body really is vile. But God exceeds that vileness. Our soul comes directly from God, Genesis 2. And the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became what? A living soul. And then finally, we have a spirit. Job 32 says, but. There is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Man is spirit. Man is soul. Man is body. It's, it's like a three-story building that God put together. What's the top floor of the spirit? What's the second floor of the soul? And where's the body? Ground level. Right out of the ground. Ground level. Matter of fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, that verse puts it in perspective. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Bible, we see the order of importance, spirit, soul, body. But it's like, you know what man does? The whole building. He takes the whole building and it's like it, it not only toppled down, but it's completely fallen into the basement and the body now is elevated to top priority. And everything that we think about, mankind, it's always self-preservation of the body. 
the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it's always self-gratification. If I can't put it in the microwave and get it now, I don't want it. The body has the preeminence. Lust has become mankind's highest priority. And because self-gratification is top dog, we live after that. God doesn't want it because he's not getting glory. Finish with two verses, then we'll be done. First John 2 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. That tells me we need to give glory back to God if we're living after that that way. And that's why Galatians 5 says, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. So, to not finish on a sour note, because I know Romans 1 is rough. How can we have our priorities right? As Christians, how can we do that? We need to walk in the Spirit. That is the only way that you and I won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But if body is first is top floor, body is top notch, guess what we're always going to fulfill? And it, 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 we're always going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we're always going to be changing the glory of God. We're always going to be justified because we gotta feel it. We gotta we gotta we gotta have it now. We gotta the body has to be satisfied. We're not trying to save people's bodies, we're trying to give the truth so that their soul would live forever. Their soul. And only do that by walking in the spirit. But that's man in Romans 1. We're almost out of it. I know it's rough. But man in Romans 1, before you trusted Christ, that was you. Before I trusted Christ, that was me. Like we spoke about this morning, there's only one thing that can change that. You must be born again. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And do you see why that is the message that we must bring? We don't go out in the Christmas parades and I don't start and you don't start preaching Isaiah 40. We don't touch that. It's not our call. What do we preach? Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Are you against this? Are you against that? Never mind that. Here's who we're for. Jesus Christ. Do you know him as your savior? Always got to zero people back in the most important thing. And that's the great commission. That's why we go forth. Why do Christians come into a church house? Why? Because we're going to learn the Bible. We're saved. We've trusted Christ. And now we want to learn what the Bible says. So now we dig deeper. Our roots Go deeper in the ground, and, and then, well, I don't know, like this, I don't see that way. Okay, fine, 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 fine. It's okay. We go out there. There's one message to this lost and dying world. You're a sinner. You need payment for your sin. You can't pay for it. You're not as good as you think you are. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.